Welcome to the Top 5 Podcast with your hosts, Rail Bricker and Lindsay Adams. And our special guest today is Zoe Fragu, coming all the way from Athens in Greece. Um, our first guest from Greece. Welcome, Zoe. This is such a privilege. Hello. Good morning. Thank you very much for having me. It's an honor being here with you today. So Zoe is an organizational psychologist and a business coach, and she um, she's studying for a PhD at the moment, I believe, and is um, focusing on psychometrics of corporate culture. And we're here today to talk about the top five tips for fighting toxic work culture. So I'm, I'm really curious to hear what you've got uh, to say, Zoe. So what's tip number one? Well, it's express your needs verbally. And when I say verbally, uh, basically what I've seen all this time is that many people, they try to use nonverbal signs in order to express an aid and they expect other people to understand it. But what happens there is that other people can interpret nonverbal signs any way their own value system suggests. And it's almost never right. So, for example, sometimes people tell me, how didn't this person get that I'm mad? Uh, I was uh, a grump in my face and I haven't spoken to them for three days. And I'm like, if you did that to me, I would probably think you're sick. There's no universe in which I would think you have an issue with me. And the danger with that is that on the one hand, we have guilty people that no matter what you do, they're going to think that they've done something bad. So you might alienate someone in this process that has nothing to do with your own situation. And on the other hand, the people that are actually violating you and crossing your boundaries and you would like to alienate, most probably they won't get it. Because the thing with toxic people is that basically they're like water. The more room you leave for them, the more they will expand. So so that, uh, when you say talk, I mean, it, it, my wife had a, a, was told at work the other day, don't send me an email, come and talk to me. And and I, And I think that was, you know, you know, a reasonably good leadership trait where they said, because people can misinterpret even an email. Um, you know, of course, they can read the tone, but most of imagine if people can uh, misinterpret an email. Imagine how they can misinterpret when you don't actually speak about what you want and what you need, and you're trying to pass it with uh, innuendos or passive-aggressive comments or uh, your face or your movements. So I'll give you a very simple example, okay? Let's say that your wife wants, uh, wants you to get her flowers. And you have no idea that she wants flowers. If she has two choices, she can come to you and she can tell you, you know what, I want you to get me flowers. And then you can either do that and follow up on your need or you can ignore it. She gives you this choice. Or she cannot say it and just expect it. And then when you don't get the flowers, she will be mad. Not necessarily because you, know, you don't care but maybe you don't like flowers or maybe you, you don't think that she likes them or maybe it's something that will never cross your mind. Therefore, basically, every time we don't really express our needs verbally, it's up to the other person what's going to happen and whether they're going to follow up or not. And not up to the other person in the case of do they actually want to do that or do they want to ignore it, but up to them to be so insightful and so like, mentalistic enough that they can read in our minds. Okay, Zoe. So, so we've got our team now talking to each other. Hopefully, what's your tip number two for fighting toxic work cultures? Set clear boundaries. I think that this one follows up on the first one. We're very close because it has to do 
It, well, when I say about expressing your needs verbally, it also goes for positive behaviors. But then when it goes to setting clear boundaries, it's extremely important specifically for behaviors that cause problem for us or behaviors that might be violating. Therefore, if someone is expressing a kind of behavior that creates issue for us, setting the boundary very, very clear so they can violate us is the most crucial thing. And the funny thing about these kind of behaviors, the pathogenic ones, as we psychologists like to call them, is that you need to basically burn them uh, from the root. I don't know if you Americans are like uh, familiar with this expression, but it means that where like a bad plant goes, you need to kill it from the root before it starts polluting all the other, uh, the, the entire garden. Therefore, that's exactly what happens. If somebody does something to you and you don't like, you need to speak up at that particular moment because only at that particular moment do you have the dignity and the calm to deal with it in a very good and well manner. Otherwise, his bad behavior is going to build up and then you're going to overreact. And then you're not going to be right because at every particular moment, we, we should be reacting at what's happening at that particular moment and not the entire baggage of things that we've been collecting forever. So can you give us an example of a of a simple boundary that a you know a team member sure, might okay, sure, another sure. team member? Let's say that I don't like when a colleague touch my staff, okay? Because we work in an open space and it's very easy for them to come and one day get my notebook, get my pen. And I really hate it. So one day a colleague comes and they take my pen. And I'm like, okay, that's too much. I shouldn't say something. It's just a pen. Uh, I let it slide. And then they have no idea that I, for example, don't like my stuff being touched and the next day they come and they start ripping a paper off my notepad and they start writing something down and i'm still getting mad and mad and mad but i still don't say anything because i'm like okay that people are gonna think i'm crazy it's my thing it's not their thing and the next day this person comes and they drink from my uh, bottle of water so i start screaming and i'm like oh my god and what are you doing well at that particular moment i'm not necessarily right because well they might be choking and the fact that in my mind, these three incidents are related, has nothing to do with the other person. For the other person, are completely unrelated. And I might start yelling about the pen two days ago, and they might have no, no idea, no clue what I'm talking about. So there are people that are pathogenic uh, on purpose, but then most of the people are just pathogenic because nobody set clear boundaries for them. And it's important for us to be able to separate the two. So um, when you actually set a boundary, is, is there a, do you suggest a, a script that they might use or is it simply, um, hey, stop taking my pen? No, I, I, it depends on what works for everyone. But for me, for example, what really works is humour. Well, like I'm always making fun of it a bit. Like, you know what, this thing really annoys me, but I know I'm, I'm the crazy one. I've always been like that. So I play fun, but the message passes very clear and verbally again, like the other person gets it. So if you can be funny about it, be funny. And of course, if you can be sweet, be sweet. In every case, be kind. Because, you know, we all have our quirkiness and it's not the other side's job to guess our quirkiness. It's our job to communicate it and create a boundary around it. Okay. So let's move on then to tip number three. What have you got for us? Well, choose conflict resolution over conflict management. Ah. So what's well, the difference? Well, this one is interesting, yeah. The difference is that most of the people actually are doing conflict management and they believe they're doing conflict resolution. But what they're actually doing 
is they're swapping things under the carpet again and again and again until this carpet is so tall and there is a pile of things and then they stumble on it. So basically, every time that we find a way to misdirect the conversation or to keep it lower and you know take the tension away from the conflict, it doesn't mean necessarily that the conflict is managed and uh, you know resolved. It's probably going to come back again. Therefore, we should embrace conflict as a natural part of coexisting in the workspace. But at the same time, we shouldn't let it escalate. That's the whole thing there. Don't let it build up into something big that you it's very hard for you to address. So basically, try to solve every conflict when it's still at the level of dispute. Let's go back to the pen example. The first moment that this happens, it's just a pen. So it's easy for me to say, oh, you know what? Uh, let me say it's very difficult for me, these things. It's my thing. Please don't touch my things. Okay. And it's probably going to be done unless you're completely a, a psychopath who just wants to cross other people's boundaries. But that's a very rare case. Most of the people, they just don't know what we don't like. And if I don't say anything, then it's going to build up, build up, build up, and then it's going to explode. And then we're going to have a big conflict. Okay, so... If I... So they're all related. I mean, the, the whole process is expressing yourself, is setting your boundaries and resolving conflict. They all they all kind of follow each other and, and necessarily need each other. Exactly. But that goes... When it comes to fighting toxic cultures... Basically, it's not one or two or three things. It's an entire demeanor that you need to be having from the first day you show up at work until the last day you show up at work, especially when a culture is toxic. It's an entire mindset that need to be, it needs to be following you so that the culture doesn't drag you inside it and you don't become toxic yourself. And in the center of this process is not taking things personally and understanding that it has nothing to do with you. This system existed before you. It will be existing after you. Therefore, it's up to you to set your boundaries. It's up to you to differentiate yourself. No one is going to guess it. Okay. And so you mentioned the word there, embrace, and that kind of leads you on to your fourth tip. My fourth tip, yeah. Embrace negotiations as a healthy part of life. Well, that's also interesting because I have a lot of clients that come to me and uh, Basically, they always take no for an answer or they take yes for an answer. And they don't understand that in this life, the resources are limited. Therefore, every single thing basically is a negotiation. And if you really want something, you need to be able to negotiate for it, not fight for it. I wouldn't say fight is a very strong word, but put it up there and uh, try to get it and try to offer something else in return. This is every single interaction that we have is basically a negotiation. So when we don't realize that, that means that we don't negotiate and we take whatever they need, they give us. And a really nice quote I've read is, um, I think it's by Lincoln. Uh, somebody said to him, uh, good things come to those who wait. And he said, yeah, but only the things left behind, but the ones that were running. <laughs> <laughs> I love it. That's one of my favorite sayings, actually. Good things yeah. come to those who wait. <laughs> yeah i mean do do here's a question do people actually know how to negotiate or do they draw the line in the sand their own boundary far too quickly in a negotiation i think that we all have negotiate negotiation instincts in the in the sense that we all have the instinct to protect what's ours and we all have the instinct to go for what we want 
the problem is that not everyone has healthy instincts around these topics. So every time someone is not negotiating in the open, but they really want something, it doesn't mean that they don't negotiate. It means usually that they're doing background tactics or uh, like gossip or other kind of manipulation slash passive aggressive techniques. And that's what we're trying to break. The thing is that if you care about something, you care about this thing and you will continue to care. Bring it out in the open. Let the other side know that you care about it so that they can give it to you on their own or they can ask you something in return. Because that's the only way of building healthy relationships that are long-term. You might get something with a passive-aggressive manner one time, but most of the times, this comes with a transactional cost. You will need to negotiate with this person again. And what's going to happen then? when they don't trust you. So, Zoe, do you, I've got a theory, and that is that children are the best negotiators because they won't take no for an answer, whereas adults, we are too polite. You know, we, we've we been trained to sort of step back, not to, not to uh, you know, press too hard. And in fact, I'll give you a great example. My family came around on Sunday. Uh, we had family lunch. I have a, a daughter. I have a son. I have um, two little grandsons, two granddaughters. My two-year-old granddaughter was negotiating with her dad. She wanted to take three dolls home from our house, and and they normally live here. And and I said, well, she can take one. So my son says one, and she goes, no, three, daddy. No, 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 just one, Hazel. No, three, daddy. <laughs> and and it just went on and on. And, you know, eventually we, we did come to an agreement. However, I sat back and I thought, wow, that's a brilliant example of negotiation in action. And she wasn't, she wasn't angry. She wasn't belligerent. She just was going broken record. Three, daddy. I want to take three. And I wonder, you know, is that kind of beaten out of us over time? No, the difference is that children don't care about what we think of them. They just focus on what they want and how to get what they want. Well, as humans, we, uh, sorry, no, children, I know children are human too. <laughs> like, I don't have one, I don't want one, but I can understand parents. So what happens with adults is that we spend so much of our energy into thinking what other people think of us or how is this going to show and whether we portray the right image that we lose constantly track of our interest. Where is our interest based in every interaction? So the moment somebody, for example, let's say I'm negotiating with you about something, but you insult me about something else, most times I will bite. So I will switch the conversation to protect myself from that other thing that you said. And then I'm completely in a different state of mind. So I've lost track of what I, why I was here in the first place. But children are not like that. To your granddaughter, even if you told her, no, no, take one, uh, the, take one of the dolls, and then in three days I'm going to buy you an ice cream, she'll be like, no. I just want three dolls now. And I can say to the grandpa to buy me an ice cream. You won't even be there. They won't lose their eyes from their goals, basically. Correct. Yeah. Um, it was a brilliant example. All right. Well, uh, round us off now. Tip number five. Know when to let go. Ah. Well, that's it. In my opinion, I think that's probably the most important one. And we need to know that careers are built based on the no's we say, just as much as they're built based on the yes we say. And um, sometimes in this life, we come across obstacles when we really want to achieve a goal. And some of the, some of the times these obstacles might be subjective and another time they might be objective. But the most common trap is that we believe the subjective ones to be objective 
And that means that we quit too soon. And then we believe the objective ones to be subjective. And that means that we don't know when to let go. And we get stuck in a situation that should be over. And the thing is that not everyone wants to be saved. Not everyone can be saved. And most of the times when we don't understand that, this has something to do with us and not with the other person. Okay. So, um, yeah, I mean, that's sometimes people just get so clung up like a, like a pit bull terrier that grabs your leg and doesn't let go, even though you're going to drop that pit bull terrier doesn't just know that, you know, you're going to kick them over the cliff or something, but you, they're still stuck on your leg. You know, they're not, they're really not willing to, to give up, even if it's not the right prize, because does pride and ego kick in then? Uh, it can be pride. It can be ego. It can be uh, a miss misrepresentation of our self-worth like if i can't change this person then i don't worth enough so it can be a lot of things but most of the times it's what we in poker we call pot commitment so i don't know if you guys play poker but the thing is that sometimes let's say that you really think you have a good card so you put a lot of money and then you keep thinking you have a good card and you put more money and then you start realizing that maybe you don't have such a good card as the others, but they raise the stakes. And because you've already put too much money, you're like, oh, I can't give up now. So you put even more money. And at the end, you end up losing much more money than what you would have lost, whether you in the beginning or when you realized, ah, oh, the card is not so good after all. You said, okay, pass. My card is not so good as I thought. It's okay. Sometimes I'm, I'm wrong. Everyone's wrong. And there's a good lesson. Gambling is not good for you. <laughs> also, and also, yeah, gambling is not good. <laughs> yeah. And um, Zoe. Especially in, in personal relationships, though. Uh, yeah, very true. So, Zoe, one of my jobs on this podcast is to keep us to time, and we are almost out of time. Should our listeners want to get in touch with you and talk some more about the work that you do in organizations, what's the best way for them to do that? Uh, well, I'm very active on social media and especially LinkedIn. So, feel free to reach out. You'll find me as uh, Zoe Fragu. And I also have my own website, so fraguzo.com. And yeah, by all means, you're welcome to reach out. Cool. Well, we'll list your website in our show notes so that people can find you easily. So over to you, Rail, to close us off. So thank you very much to Zoe Fragu from Athens in Greece and to my co-host, Lindsay Adams from Brisbane. This is Rail Bricker signing off for another edition of the Top 5 Podcast. <laughs>